Since 1937, Ducks Unlimited has been the leader in waterfowl conservation with over 16 million acres of habitat conserved. DU supporters and volunteers have led the charge to fill the skies with waterfowl today, tomorrow, and forever. You too can play a role in leaving a legacy for the future of waterfowl hunting. To find an event near you or to join our volunteer team, go to www.ducks.org volunteer. Ducks Unlimited, conservation for a continent. Hello and welcome to the Standard Sportsman Podcast, where your hosts Brent Birch and Kaysen Short will discuss, debate, and detail trending topics within the sport of duck and goose hunting. Brent and Kaysen have over 80 years combined chasing ducks in Arkansas with a like-minded pursuit of leaving waterfowling better than they found it. Each week, you will hear impactful interviews and engaging guests guaranteed to make you a more informed and effective hunter-conservationist. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now, let us jump into today's show with the guys. Hey guys, it's Brent Birch and Casey Short back with another edition of the Standard Sportsman Podcast. Um, We kind of did an about-face on our scheduled plan of guests and whatnot because we thought it was important for us to jump in and and kind of give some perspective on the uh, Arkansas Game and Fish Commission survey that they just put out uh, this past Friday Um, because there's there's some important stuff on there, but there's not, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a ton of insight across the, the state and amongst the hunting community about, you know, really analyzing what some of these things are. So we thought we would take a look at it. And we've got a couple of couple of guests on here to, uh, to help us with some things that, you know, we don't have quite the perspective on and don't want to sit here and sound like we know everything about everything. So we brought some guys in that'll, uh, they'll help us on that. But, uh, The Standard Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Waterfowl hunters deserve to have a set of waders that can excel year in and year out throughout the duration of the season. So Sitka Gear set out to build the best pair of waders ever. Constructed from Gore-Tex Pro Laminate, the face fabric offers added durability and is breathable in active working conditions while completely sealing out the elements. Importantly, they proudly stand behind all of their Delta Zip wader features with their 100% serviceable guarantee. And I'm speaking from experience as I have sent my original pair of Sika waders from the 2018 season back twice without a hiccup. Engineered to outwork, outlast, and outhunt everything else in the market, the Delta Zip waiter from Sika Gear is the gold standard for reliability. The Chatham jacket from Tom Beckby features a durable, weatherproof 8-ounce wax shelter cloth shell that develops a great-looking patina with use. I've actually worn this jacket the last couple of seasons and appreciate the shorter cut to it so it fits great inside my waders. It's also a really good weight for most Arkansas days of field. So if you like to mix a little vintage look with your technical gear waders, this is the jacket. You can find the jacket online at tombeckby.com. You can also find it in their brick and mortar locations in Wilson, Arkansas, Birmingham, Alabama, and the new store in Oxford, Mississippi. Casey, you want to introduce those two guys and then we'll kind of get going. Yeah, we, we cover all the bases today. We've got our resident RBA back with us. Chris Harrell is joining us. And uh, Alex Johns is going to cover the the out-of-state interest and, and questions we've got today. So, fellas, I appreciate y'all uh, getting on here on short notice and being willing to hop on here with us. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, and come to find out through 
through some text messages, you guys already know each other. Allegedly. Yeah. We had to <laughs> Allegedly. We, yeah. Yeah. We had we had we had to have a fist fight a time or two at the boat ramp. So, you know, we may settle some may settle some other stuff on this podcast. So just get ready. <laughs> yeah. So uh, wherever you're listening to this, wherever you are in the country, y'all y'all come hunt Arkansas. It's friendly and welcoming. <laughs> Oh yeah, I thought you guys were joking when you first started talking about that, and I was like, I don't, I don't think they're joking. No, we were t- joking. We were joking. <laughs> it, it was a total joke, but the details seemed very realistic. Yeah. I was living them on the spot. Uh-huh. Yeah, when uh-huh. you guys started talking about your helmets and singlets, I was like, wait, this might be serious. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so yeah, we're just uh, we're gonna jump in here and walk through this survey, kind of. We'll focus heavily on the waterfowl thing. Uh, Chris and I did have a little plug for the straight wall cartridge. So if you're filling this thing out, whether you're a resident, non-resident, hunt Arkansas or don't hunt Arkansas, um, I do want to emphasize kind of a priority for Chris and myself. The the zone, we are in zone four. It's where our farm is located. And through my lifetime, we've only been allowed to hunt with a shotgun and slug. That went from four days when I was a kid up to a full week now. And that's our modern gun season. We don't get anything else. Um, and some of that is due to we really didn't have much of a deer herd 30, 40 years ago. And kind of safety because it's wide, it's open, and it's flat here. you know. But uh, anyway, they're considering giving us straight wall cartridges instead of shotgun and slug. And I think that is a tremendous opportunity, especially on the youth side. Uh, if, if you grew up in a slug state and you had to shoot a slug as a kid, you know uh, how brutal those things can be. So there's not a lot of good good options out there for a kid to get into deer hunting. Uh, they certainly can't really shoot an effective bow at that age and a one ounce slug is a little brutal on them. So I think the straight wall cartridge is a great opportunity and I hope it passes. And on Chris's side, Chris, you're interested in it. There's a option to change the muzzle loader to a straight wall cartridge. Is that correct? That is correct. And, and all, all for it, you know, part of that's all typical horror stories of, snapping on a deer during muzzleloader and gun not going off and also the opportunity side obviously is is a big thing i've talked to a couple buddies in surrounding states i think mississippi is one that they have a Mm -hmm. i think they call it a primitive season where straight wall cartridges are are legal as long as well as muzzleloader great opportunity i think for deer hunters and and for youth and and um and probably for gun store owners too they're probably chomping at the bit for everybody to come buy them a 4570 or something so yeah i would love to see that pass so i give that a plug yeah so if you're scrolling through it and uh, you don't have an opinion on those two options uh chris and i would love your support (laughs) amen amen (laughs) all right well let's jump into the waterfowl side of things here yeah i think it's important to to note up front uh, and this is there's definitely without question some confusion within the uh the hunting community uh, and it's kind of a goofy way to say that, but, um, you know, this is a survey. This is not a vote. Um, you're offering your opinion on some, some, um, rules and regulations that the game and fish commission is considering and not, you know, a thousand percent sure which direction to go. So they're looking for public input, but it's not a vote. And, And to be clear, the commissioners are not required to honor what the survey says. 
Uh, and if you think about it, it's it's kind of for good reason uh, on one degree. And that's great to get public input. And that's that's by law. They have to they have to do a 30 day window of getting public input. It doesn't have to be a survey. They could just say, this is what we're thinking about doing. If you got something to offer, contact your commissioner um, or commissioners um, or contact the Game and Fish and offer your opinion. But they've they've gone to this survey methodology and. If you recall a couple of years ago, when the last time we did this, uh, there was some duct date issues, uh, and one of which they went the route of going with the opener being after Thanksgiving. Well, nobody really even knew that was going on because we do these two-year windows of setting dates, and it comes up, you know, last year before, well, before the season started, it was in the spring, but... A lot of people had no idea that the, that it had gotten changed. Um, the second window of the two-year window, second season of the two-year window was going to be an opener after Thanksgiving. Well, then you come to find out that only you know less than 3% of the duck stamp sales even did the survey. So it was like they went with what the quote-unquote people wanted, but it was a really poor representation of the people because it was such a low number. I mean, it was between two and 3,000 people did the survey. Well, I talked to... Director Booth this morning, and right now, uh, and the thing's only been out since Friday, it's got over 20,000 surveys completed and uh, much better participation and people understanding that they do have an opportunity to voice their opinion. But but just keep in mind as we go through these things and as when when they vote on this in May, um, they don't have to do exactly what the survey says. And and part of that's because. People may be doing the survey that don't know maybe some of the science or some of the 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 methodologies behind it. They're just looking at personal personal benefit, uh, perhaps, and 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 they have to weigh that too because there is some science side to to doing some right things regulation wise. So long winded, just but I thought that was worth the clarity of 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 helping everybody understand that it's it's not a vote. They're not they're not going to take this survey and go okay. Well, the people said option A. And that's so that's what we're doing. There's going to be some discussion and some weighing of issues on that. Um, uh, and that's the last thing I'll say, uh, it, you know, Casey and I's roles as being uh, heading up two of Director Booth's advisory councils, we're actually going to come to a commission meeting and, and speak um, on what our advisory councils have kind of worked through on these and, and then what we're hearing from around the around the state in our circles and circles of circles. So uh, we'll be offering a little I don't know if you call it expertise, but at least a little input for sure. Yeah. Well, and to clarify on that a little bit, uh, that opinion, you know, what we offer up to the commissioners at that point will be the view of our collective uh, council, not just our own individual opinions. So uh, if my ideas are totally out in the field, I'll just keep them to myself at that meeting. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. But I, I want to touch on it, on it too. You, you mentioned the survey and, you may agree with me. You may not. Chris may agree with me. I kind of wish we would get away from doing surveys. I, I think the problem with it is people feel that it's a vote. And then when it doesn't go their way or doesn't go the supposed majority way, they feel like they're not represented. Um, and let's be honest, no matter what side of the fence we're on, in-state, out-of-state, public, private, it's like we're voting for welfare for ourselves. You're going to vote for whatever does the best for you. And I think we really should be looking at this from what's good for the resource. And that's kind of the direction I want to come from it today from my standpoint, but we really, I don't know, 
duck hunters can't be trusted all the time to do what's right for the resource. So I think in a lot of ways, these surveys give people a false sense of not entitlement, but maybe they feel like, Oh, well, look, everybody wants to hunt till March. Why don't we hunt till March? Well, cause we know that's not good, you know? So you have to rule out some of the opinions in it. Uh, and like I said, I think it, it would just be easier if everyone made the decision on, is it good or bad for the resource? And let's go from there. But I'll yeah. get off my soapbox now. Yeah. That, unfortunately that'll never happen. And, and that's why, I mean, the, these guys that are appointed to the commission, I mean, this is a super powerful uh, position, obviously appointed by the governor and part of it, you know, if you really thought about it, think about it, they should be making these decisions. They should be so educated and so informed that, that public input, yeah, they can ask for it because it's by, you know, you have to do that by law, but uh, the survey really, you're, you're exactly right. It kind of muddies the picture a little bit, but, um, mm-hmm. but anyway, so let's, let's kind of work through it and, course the first question right out of the gate is some options on uh the duck season dates and and um you know you've got a uh two choices the the option b and option c are the same regular season dates uh but they've got a different youth date component and a veteran uh, and then the veteran day is the is uh is a different uh day depending on which one you choose and and I'll just I'll jump into it. I'll give you my two cents um, on it. Uh, you know, I, I'm a fan of the the option A, where the season ends on a Sunday. Um, this this is twofold. Uh, one of it is resource wise. I think, especially in the current conditions that we're in, I believe ending on the Sunday, the 26th, in this particular year, where the 31st falls on a Friday. The sooner we can end this duck season with the the, the state of du- that ducks are in, the better. Um, wrap the season up on the twenty sixth. Don't push them all the way to the end of January. When the sooner we can let them start rebuilding um, and and managing their pair bonds and ones that haven't found a, a partner yet can find a partner. To me, the sooner the better. And then, um, you know, of course, from a personal standpoint. Um, Ending on the on a weekday is just the most anticlimactic thing about uh, about really duck is. season. It's just brutal. Yep. Uh, There's so much fanfare for the opener, and then it just you know goes quietly into the night on a Tuesday. It's, yeah, yeah, and it's it's just a I don't like I said it's just anticlimactic as it can be. But I'll tell you, um, the only th- other thing I'll say about it, uh, the season two, and this is a this is a kind of a interesting way to look at it and i don't think this is ever evaluated when they talk about this the option b and option c have the longer december split which a lot of people advocate for and i and i understand the option a has a very short december split it's only only three days but it ends on the 26th i'm contending i i believe those five days on the back end are more important than five more days in December right now. Um, yeah. And we, and we need to, if you're, if you don't remember not too many years ago, when we used to end on the last Sunday, that three day split, I think next year would be closer to like a eight or 10 day split again. And it all depends on where that last Sunday is, but this is basically the shortest it would ever be. So yeah, once that, you know, the 31st is not on a Friday, then it rotates around and it gets longer. It's not very often that you have it that short because we used to have to plan our bookings around that depending on, you know, if we knew we'd have that weekend or not in December that we 
clearly won't have an option A here. But I'm I'm interested to hear Chris's perspective on this. Well, let me give you my perspective then. So uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm kind of like Mr. Brent. I, I like it ending on a Sunday. You know, we've had what however many years where it's ended on random dates and. Like you mentioned it, you know, this is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper. Uh, it's just, yeah, anticlimactic. And then I, I, just to echo that same sentiment, you get to that, especially when you get past that last Sunday, you know, every duck you pick up that you're lucky enough to harvest, I, I can't help every time I pick one up and think you almost made it, you know, it, it, you, almost, you almost feel guilty late in the season anyway. Um, and for me and some other poor folks, like I mentioned in a text to Mr. Brent, you know, some of us got to go back to work, uh, you know, on those weekdays anyway. So, yep, I am very much in favor of it ending on a Sunday. And then we talked a little bit about, you know, by ending on a Sunday, if you're going to have that youth hunt, you know, in February, that gives a week for ducks to settle a little bit. So settle down a little bit. So you have an opportunity to have a successful youth hunt. Side note, it would not hurt my heart to get rid of that after season youth and veteran hunt. Now, obviously, you don't have a whole lot of places to put it in that option A framework. Um, but, you know, again, just from a resource perspective, it just feels it feels a little counterintuitive to be out there in February hunting ducks. I know we hear it every year. The Oh, the ducks finally arrived. No, they didn't. They just got where you can see them because we're not banging on them every day and we're letting water out of fields and they're congregating. Um, so for me, ended on a Sunday. I like option A of these three options. Wouldn't hurt my feelings to get rid of any hunts in February, but kind of hard to put the youth and veteran hunt anywhere else in option A. So that's where I'm at on that one. Yeah. And you got a, you got a option A youth hunt and veterans hunter, the first and the second. On the other two options, you're going to be hunting a week into February. So, yep. I mean, that's, that's pretty dang late. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I, I personally like seeing the youth hunts on consecutive days there. Um, you know, you come in, you get kids involved, you hunt one morning. It's kind of a short stay at duck camp just for one day. So I think the back-to-back -back days on that option is a positive for it as well, um, just on the youth side of it. Yeah, agreed. And, some, you know, it happens sometimes where you get, when you have one shot at it, and weather's a little bad or whatever, especially mm -hmm. with younger ones, you know, it's tough. And with the two days, you got a chance of not being out in the pouring rain or the 25 That's degrees. Right. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what's, what's your opinion on these options? I agree with, with all the statements that you guys have made. The, the only food for thought that I would add and not advocating, uh, to an extreme for a longer December split, but it does give us more time to, to not inundate some of these green tree reservoirs with water as early. Um, it gets us into dormancy. So when we're looking at some of the public lands, we're managing multiple resources, even during the same season. Um, that's the only other perspective that I would, that I would add to that. Um, if you have that longer December split gives us a little bit longer time to catch some water and maybe uh, disperse some of the pressure instead of concentrating it in one or two specific areas. Mm -hmm. Well, so it, I think kind of to that point, Brent and I have this theory and I, I mean, I can back it up 
based on what we do here on our farm. But when you have this long split, like we do, I know myself and other private landowners often don't flood as much as we could early. So I'm of the opinion that with a shorter December split, like an option A, you're going to have more habitat throughout the state early in the year. You're going to be able to catch and hold more of these early migrating mallards and other ducks because you've got more. Um, so what we do is we'll flood just enough to get us through that first seven days. And then when we're sitting on the sideline, like we were this year for 10 days straight, I don't want to have water in my woods. I don't want to have them in food plots or anywhere else. I don't want to have ducks in places that I, you know, they're just sitting there doing whatever they want and hammering it. And they leave it before I get a chance to go back and hunt. Now I know that may be a little counterintuitive to say that I don't want to give them a place that I, when I can't shoot them, but at the same time, we're having to manage our side of the resource too, which is the food and the land and all those things. So I think kind of a little bit about what you're saying, I agree with, but I, I do think with option a, you're going to see more private land habitat uh, flooded and, and available for those birds that are here. And that, that makes sense. And that's, that's a perspective that not being a, a farm manager and managing, you know, several hundred acres. Um, that's a perspective that some of us don't, don't always think of. And, you know, sure. It, it, it teed it up, you know, not purposefully, but it, it teed it up great to, to offer that perspective that, Hey, we understand what you're saying, but think about this. Um, Man, I think that's what's great about these conversations, um, and in a format where someone can be educated. Hey, we're going to actually have more habitat, more food on the landscape because we're not worried about you know giving them something that we get no return on immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's exactly why we had both you guys on, and why we why we do this show. But that you know, I, I know you're going to hear the argument. You know, well, there's not any water in the bottoms in early December. So we want all the days in January we can get. And I think we would all agree that January 31st is not as good as December 31st. We we know those last days are not that great. I know some argue that that's the best hunts they have, and maybe they were this year. But besides that, I think just in my opinion, you're going to see more habitat. And, and we know, too, these birds are going to leave private ground when the bottoms get out, they're going, you know, so the more ducks we can have in the state before that happens, the better the public hunting is going to be because of that. So it's just my opinion, but I think it all goes hand in hand there. So I, I'm a big believer in option a, uh, I don't think we should hunt ducks till January 31st. I think the scientific community was right about that. Uh, I think if Trent Lott hadn't gotten involved, we wouldn't even be having this conversation, <laughs> but here we are. Dang oozers, always messing stuff up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and one one more little thing to think about, and this is something I I, I would really like the the commission to take uh, into consideration when setting dates in the future. And if we get to a, a thirty day season or whatever it is, it, this isn't going to matter. Well, actually, it will matter. It actually be even probably yeah. more important. That's but right. If if you took option B or C and you take those days off in December, or like last year, we had that super long, uh, you know, 10 day split. And then you couple in the full moon, plus you couple in the <laughs> Christmas split. You're not even getting half of the days of December where you have either preferential, uh, weather condition, you know, conditions 
with the full moon, without the full moon, or the season is closed. So you're talking the pr- the prime month for a majority of, of the state. And I say the majority of the state because 90% of the habitat in Arkansas is privately owned. The state only owns about 10%. Um, now, you, you have the whole variable of the White River, and when that, that I, gets up and goes. A correction there. The state owns 1%. Okay. Okay. Well, it's, they you. own 10% of the public land. What's totally public is only 10% in general. That okay. includes federal grants. Sorry. Just wanted to clarify that point. No, well, that's okay. Well, that even makes the case even more. So, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think we want to be, want to be either season closed or dealing with a full moon during the prime peak part of this, of, of duck hunting. Um, so future seasons, I would love to see the full moon taken into consideration and the splits try to line up with the three, five, six days that a full moon impacts waterfowl mm-hmm. and lay the splits there. It's going to be super important if we get cut to a 30-day season. Because if you take a 30-day right. season and you put a bunch of days on a full moon, our day our season's about 15 days of, of decent hunting uh, conditions. So... Um, that'd be something for consideration. It's not this year, but that option A at least gives you more days in December to hunt when you're trying to work around a full moon because it's on December 15th uh, in 2024. Can I put my tinfoil hat on for just a second and, and keep it around because we're going to need it for some more of these that are coming. But <laughs> are we are we assuming there's a survey bias that that the commission is leaning towards option A and that's why they put it as the first option? Absolutely not. Out there. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely no, not. I, I wouldn't assume anything. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, it, I think it's just uh, random randomness of the draw. Um, whatever. Well, and it I, could be that the the other two are really just a matter of the youth and veterans, so they kind of went together. So it was either one or yeah. three, I guess. Yeah. How would you like to be the poor intern or or whoever paid employee that had to be the one that type all this up and push it out there? Uh, that that's a thankless job. So shout out to them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, kudos. I mean, they got this survey up the morning after these proposals, you know, were voted on as proposals. So kudos to Game of Fish for sure. for getting it out there that quick and giving them plenty of time to to check it out. So, but on the subject of December, if if we're ready to move on past the first question, we get into another one that. I mean, I would think everybody vote the same way, but I guess there's some differing opinions on this one. Where does everyone stand? You guys want to hunt on Christmas or not, or do you even care? I I would advocate to, to hunt. On, I don't think it's the Game and Fish's job to decide who or who isn't at Christmas dinner. I think that's right. that's up to the family, and we're yeah. We only get we don't the the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service only allows two splits. So we're we're taking a split to make sure people don't wander off to duck camp during Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's not that you know to me that's not resource first thinking. Uh, I, I don't. I I would advocate that we need a January split, probably worse than anything. Um, maybe in the whole framework and format because um, we're hunting them. I think last year it was fifty one of fifty four days. Um, the only only break was the little three day Christmas split. Ducks could use a break probably in January sometime, um, you know, a December split, January split and remove this Christmas split and families work it out. Who's at home and who's, who's what, uh, head to duck camp. Yeah. I, I was same. That's how I feel about it. I would, I would agree with that too. I, you know, we're, 
we've still got somewhat young kids. So most of the time we're doing Christmas on Christmas day somewhere and that's fine. But if somebody else wants to be in the Duckwoods, great. Uh, I would think from uh not to make it a resident, non-resident thing, but I would think all the Arkansas folks would be banging the drum to have a Christmas hunt. Cause I would think, and Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the folks out of state probably going to need to be home doing Christmas stuff and one more chance to have a few less uh, folks in the woods. So yeah, let, let them, let them hunt with Santa Claus. Come on with it. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Um, obviously being out of state, uh, I always run in the red on those brownie points. So me being uh, <laughs> damn, on uh, Christmas day is really just not an option. Um, and, and truthfully, I have a young family as well. And I I want to be at home with them on Christmas. Uh, it means a lot to them, and you know they know Dad's gone duck hunting quite a bit as it is. That, that's that's a line I'm not going to cross. Now, seeing how some of the out of state folks are, you you'll see some of them there if they're given the option. Sure. Uh, oh yeah. But you know, by and large, um, I kind of look look at that similar to a separation of church and state. You need to figure that out on your own but it's not the government's job to help you manage your marriage (laughs) good point well and and there's another you know that if 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 they're going to hang their hat on we've got to have the season closed on christmas and it's going to be one of our two splits what are you going to do when it's a 30-day season are we going to be required to have a split when uh christmas day is is got to be part of the equation I mean, is that going to work when we don't have 60 to work with? So that may change. I mean, they may be changing regardless just because of how a, a 30 day season works out and or a 45 day or what, you know, whatever. Cause it, at some yeah. point it's going to change. We're not going to have 60 day seasons forever. Um, That's a good point, and, bro. That. And I've had, I've had a lot of friends also say, um, you know, I would like to hunt with my, my college kids are home at Christmas. I like to hunt with them. Maybe not Christmas Day, but I like to hunt with them the next day or the day before. And Or I've got family in town. They love to go duck hunting, but the season's closed. They come in town for Christmas, but I can't go. I can't take them because the season's closed. While we do the exact opposite with Thanksgiving. Right. And you hear lots of conversation about opportunity. You know, like we, we have more, more days late in the season for opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Well, every kid's home over Christmas and we're taking away opportunity. Now, I don't think I would be out there next year with mine. I don't know that my wife would really be a fond of that either, but I don't feel like I'm going to miss opportunity either. I'm not going to sit home and go, Oh, someone else is getting to go and I'm not. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, I'd like to see it go back. And really to the point that I would like to see a, you know, a four to five day split in January. I think this is getting off on a tangent here, but I think it would benefit, most everyone's duck hunting if they could see beyond not being able to go those few days. I think taking that pressure off would increase hunter success and satisfaction there late in the season like that. Let's shut down goon week. Shut down goon week. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's always a fun one. Yeah. And for anybody listening, goon week would be what the uh week between when it opens back up after Christmas till about New Year's Day. Yep, Christmas and New Year's. So this, uh, I, I get more of a fraternity slang in it. I call it Geek Week, but yeah, <laughs> everybody and their mother is in the state of Arkansas that week. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
For over 30 years, Lyle Real Estate has been connecting land investors and outdoorsmen with sellers. Whether looking to invest in an income-producing farm or recreational land, the Lyle Real Estate team has the connections and the expertise to help. They work with tracts of all sizes and specialize in agricultural, timberland, and recreational properties. New listings are hitting the market almost weekly, so head on over to their website to learn more. www.lylerealestate.com Yeti. From the legendary hard coolers to the new barware series, Yeti has you covered. Or check out one of my favorite new products from them, the Loadout Series Go Box. Yeti, built for the wild. Well, on to the next one. I think we kind of hashed out the Christmas thing. Uh, this is a question regarding splitting youth and veteran hunts. Uh, uh, no, not for me. I mean, I'll be real honest. I, I, I've kind of enjoyed having the the combo uh, just because I have some families that are veterans and some friends that are veterans. It, it's kind of nice, especially when my kids were a little younger, to have a shooter there with <laughs> with a veteran so that so that your youth gets to see a little bit of success uh, pulling the trigger, whether they were actually um, the one putting birds on water or not. Um, so we've always enjoyed the fellowship aspect of that, of, hey, we're taking some kids and some veterans, you know, and all hunting together. Um, so I, I'm okay with it. Um, staying the same, you know, the if, you know, like that option A that has youth hunt one day, veteran hunt, and youth hunt the next day, I, I'm okay with that too. But at the end of the day, it's it's really not a big deal to me either way on any of that. So, yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. It's uh, I don't don't have much of an opinion, personal preference, I guess there for anybody who wants it. Yeah, my kids are way too old. Um, <laughs> and uh, but I, one thing I I do know, and and this is becoming a little more common. There's there's quite a few clubs that don't don't allow the youth to hunt during that December split. Um, you know, they're, they're under the mindset that they're going to rest ducks. They're going to rest ducks. And they kind of, uh, you know, poo poo any idea that we don't, we, we, we have a youth hunt. Um, some of my partners, we, they've got little kids and they do hunt during that time, but, uh, that's becoming a more common theme. Um, good or bad. Yeah, there is, there is some of that out there for sure. Well, let's move on to, uh, to one. I really want to, get into here yeah yeah whether we need another 74 day speckle belly season and nine thousand more outfitters and look i got i have 73 people ready to come hunt october 28th next year so i'm gonna put them all in some a-frames and we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> kill them all <laughs> we're gonna yeah. set a world record <laughs> yeah well yeah and it, you know we've you and i've extensively talked about this and and uh, both being very uh, keen on, on the greater white fern of goose and love to hunt them, love to love to watch them, a lot of respect for them. And um, I, I personally don't believe they can handle another year of 74 days worth of, of uh, you know, party hunts and mornings, afternoons, the, the, just the relentless pursuit of them. And, you know, I get it. Not everybody's a speckle belly hunter or even cares, but I, I think, and I'll let Kaysen make the point, uh, how it relates to ducks, but, um, I just think they're going to have a really tough time finding Arkansas as a place to be if we keep doing what we're doing. Cause I mean, the, the U S fish and wildlife service may say that Arkansas or the Mississippi flyway can get 74 days. 
there in anybody hunting them as hard as we do in Arkansas. And mm-hmm. I think uh, the game of fish really needs to look at adjusting that based on just how hard uh, these ducks or these geese are pushed uh, from the moment they get here uh, until, uh, you know, we run them all off. Yeah. Well, this is a, a great opportunity for the state of Arkansas to lead by example. Um, and I think it's going to take some of that up and down the flyway because I, I, I do think the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is going to give us the maximum opportunity they think that we can tolerate, even if it, it you know, aids to the decline that we're on. So, yeah, I, I think we should stand up and, and lead by example here. Um there's going to be some interesting information, some Lincoln Peterson estimates that are going to go public this week. Uh, those numbers are not public yet. Uh, I haven't seen them, but I've heard some, uh, I've heard some speculation as to what they're going to be, but we're looking at a severe decline in Arctic geese. Uh, that's snow geese, speculabilities, uh, you know, snows look like they could be below the threshold that triggered the conservation order. Um, and I think white fronts are going to be down maybe 65% over their average, which would put us at like a, I don't know, close to a 40-year low in population. Um, you drive any of a handful of places in October, and you would not believe that uh, in Arkansas. You, you would see these flocks, and you would think that nothing is wrong. But um, Lincoln-Peterson estimates are starting to suggest otherwise. And it's worth noting that we no longer fly a survey or white fronts. It was deemed ineffective, non-conclusive, so they've stopped doing it. So the Lincoln-Peterson estimates are the only thing that we have to estimate their population on. So I say that to say they're in a a pretty steep decline population-wise, and I just don't think we should harvest them like everything is fine. I don't think we should continue on business as usual trying to wring every drop of blood out of that species. we should learn a little bit from our neighbors to the south about what happens when you lose habitat and continue to pressure and hunt them with reckless abandon. So, and I think a lot of guys that hunt here, Brent, you, and I bet Chris would agree to this as well. The white fronts have gotten increasingly harder to hunt during duck season. So I think one thing to consider, you know, when, when hunting gets tough in December or January, a lot of guys pivot and hunt speckle bellies. So if we go back to not having this early spec season, now we've got a huntable species that's still in relative abundance later in the year, and you're going to end up with, again, happier duck hunters. I don't think anybody fully anticipated how big that early season would become from a commercial aspect. I don't think anyone ever dreamed that 50-something people would end up hunting together. Um, and it's just kind of snowballed and gotten out of hand, and I don't think it's good for the resource. So I would. I would be very happy to see that go away. Well, yeah, and you kind of, um, I referenced it a minute ago, but even if you don't give a damn about speckle bellies and, and you're, you know, you're a duck guy, you need to understand that the the early season is when, right in the prime time of when the Halloween mallards show up. And I'm not talking you know, teal and gadwalls showing up. I'm talking about mallards that we all like to hunt during the season. And the amount of gun pressure and human pressure that early spec season puts on the Halloween mallards is is a is immense. You know, they don't necessarily know they're not getting shot at. They just know a gun's going off nearby. 
and it's relentless. If you're taking 10 guns, 20 guns, you got the craziness of that 50 something gun hunt up there in Northeast Arkansas. I don't know that that's good, you know, for the ducks either, uh, that you're trying to hold on to until the season opens. So, I mean, there's that, that impact too. You, you remove that from the landscape and those Halloween mallards can get here and settle in without, you know, uh, going to the plug on uh, every group of geese that, that flies around the area. So that's another consideration mm-hmm. that even if you're not a goose hunter, uh, it may be, may be impacting your ducks and it, it may be more than a maybe probably is. Yeah, it is. I, whether they recognize it or not, it, it is, it's definitely, it has impacted our opening weekends here for duck season since the early goose has started. And, and you have to kind of understand it from a whole scale, you know, or see those maps with these GPS birds, you have to understand that, you know, there's only a handful of places that are these, you know, they're, they're an oasis in the desert, almost literally. You've got one or two in Northeast Arkansas, you've got us kind of in the middle, and then you've got some down around your area, Brent, and it's reservoirs, you know, it's, it's watering holes. And that's where these ducks and these geese go in October when they get here and everything is hot and dry as it can be. And essentially, you think about a watering hole in Africa, what we've done is we've lined up these commercial outfits all the way around them and we're just hammering on everything that comes in there. So even if you're not interested in white fronts, it is definitely affecting your duck season. Um, it's taken a toll. So again, I'd be happy to see it go away. Well, I, I know you've got Alex and I, and I on here kind of from a more of a public land standpoint. I, I do have the opportunity to hunt some specs at times on different private places um, and I, it's banging the same drum. I'm with you. Uh, the 74 just, you know, it makes my skin crawl a little bit when you see the pictures of 75 A-frames lined up on a fence row. And yeah, all every, all 40 folks have got their three geese or whatever. Can you kill three in the early one or is it just two in the early one? Is it three? three. It yeah. is three in the early one too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, you know, selfishly for me, I, uh, with work, it's rare. That I don't know if I've ever been on, on a early goose hunt. So obviously it's not affecting me personally, um, from opportunity standpoint, but you know, we, we shoot a few specs in, in November and December. And then, like you said, by January, uh, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an oddity to actually harvest one cause they've been shot at since October. Um, and having hunted specs for off and on, you know, a little bit for the last 10 or 12 years, um, it's noticeable. Um, so much so far as how they react uh, to a call, numbers, and all that. And you, you've got to think that aside from the popularity increasing and the outfitter pressure increasing, that, that those extra days in, in the early season um, sure, sure seem somewhat detrimental um, just from, a, from my standpoint. Uh, I don't know. Alex, any, any thoughts on that? I would echo that. Um... I enjoy hunting speckle bellies and got the opportunity. Um, and the reason I enjoy hunting them is because it's a bigger mallard. A lot of how they respond to a call, you know, you can, you used to be able to hunt them over a reasonable size decoy spray. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tried to get things right. And we have transformed them in mallard 2.0 into snow goose hunting for 74 days mm-hmm. um and that's just it doesn't appeal to me I'm not saying it doesn't appeal to some people um 
but I think everyone can agree it's been a steady decline on just the overall quality of hunting in general. Um, two things align with that, some weather and extended pressure. So mm-hmm. um, I, I can't I can't advocate highly enough for, for, for a 60-day speckle belly season that mirrors duck season. When you can't hunt ducks, you can't hunt geese. Give everything a break. Yeah. I was happy to see, I guess, maybe this past year, year before, was when they first aligned the splits with goose season, too. And I thought that was a really good step in the right direction. You know, if we're going to we're gonna shut down duck season for pressure, we should shut down everything as well. I, I agree with you on that, Alex. And I'll go ahead and put a plug in. The difference between shooting two and shooting three, it may not be significant um, if the four of us went on a speckle belly hunt. It would not personally add or subtract from the quality of hunting, um, but it drastically increases the pressure if you've got 20, 30, 40 sports and panel blinds that you're trying to get one more for 20, 30, 40 sports. Mm -hmm. I think when we, yeah, I I think when we moved up to the three goose limit, you really started to see the change in how easily or how huntable they were. Uh, you saw a lot more people get into the sport because there was more opportunity now. You know, it was more justifiable to go put out a few and try it when you could kill three. Uh, they definitely, in my opinion, at least in our area, started to get tougher when we moved up to the three goose limit. So. Yes. Yeah, but I, I kind of think the 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 88 and two um, seasons have landed us where we are now. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, was unreal. I mean, yeah, because you had that extended season. Plus, you only had to, you only had to shoot two geese for a limit. So the you know the outfitters just came out of the woodworks on that thing because it was. I mean, it was almost a slam dunk. Um, you know, do a little scouting, ride some roads, knock on a door, get permission, and uh, and get them. But uh, two made it really easy on them. I think you have some of the the long term speckle belly guides that would like to see it go to sixty because even for them, the hunting's getting tougher. They're having a tougher time keeping their clients happy because there's so many there are so many outfitters um, with several teams spreading out, uh, driving an hour to go to go find geese. They're having to go into places. I saw uh, outfitter uh, hunting bean fields around uh, Koi last year i've never seen hmm. that far back that far west um yeah you know between humnoke and england um and there's no doubt the opportunity is great and and people need it because a lot of i mean, can't say it any other way a lot of people's duck hunting's gotten pretty bad and the and the speckle belly has supplemented it you know they don't kill anything for a couple of days well, well let's call a let's let's book a, a spec hunt and they go out there and they get to shoot and and harvest birds and and all that. So a lot of it that that's where it came from. I just don't I just I really don't believe the resource can handle it. Um and I don't I don't think it's great the impact it's having on our ducks, uh, especially with the party hunting deal. Um it's just it's just too much. It's what they get for being so delicious. No oh, doubt, man. No doubt. They are a good table affair. <laughs> yeah, you you mean I'll say this and we'll move on, but you talk about it getting tougher for everybody. But you go back and look not too many years ago, 
if you go back and take away more than six out of every group of 10, it's no wonder it's gotten harder to hunt them. I mean, we just, and they're, they're colony nesters. They, the studies or GPS data showing they, they don't nest as often as, you know, AHM as accounting for, and they're not going to rebound like a, a green wing teal or blue wing teal. Like the damage that's done could take decades to repair. So I, I think that, I mean, there's still 60 days, plenty of opportunity. It's still a good season. We still, you know, have a great time hunting, hunting them. Uh, but I think it's a, to me, it's an easy choice. So. Yeah. 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 One, one more point and we can move on. And this, the, the next step is where we pull in our two experts, but one more yeah. thing to think about is, uh, you know, you think about it, speckle bellies, they'll leave Prairie Canada and end up in Arkansas and don't stop. Um, That's right. so think about how many juvenile birds are harvested during those 14 early days. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that impact is significant. I mean, you can look at the pile pictures, uh, that you see, I mean, it's juvenile are just getting hammered because those birds have left Prairie Canada and they haven't been educated. So they're just, they're almost as dumb in Arkansas as they were when they left Canada or when they were hatched in Canada. So um, that's going to be hard to, if, if the population estimates are right, it's real going to be real hard if you're just wiping out every young bird that there is that has, uh, has this attraction and homing beacon to come to Arkansas and everything else. Cause you, know, you think about it, Specs hadn't always wintered here and, uh, there's nothing to say that they got to keep coming here. You can ask Louisiana. Yeah. We, we can ruin it if we try hard enough. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right. This one looks like it's more for, uh, for our two guests and maybe you or myself, Brent. Yeah. I'll, uh, Alex, why don't you, why don't you tee up on this one? All right. Now I, I'll say this. I don't have it in front of me. I'm going off my notes. Are we going with the three 10 day window revision? Yep. Yes. I'm sorry. I should have explained what we're, what we're looking at. Yeah. The three yep. 10 day period. I understand what they're trying to do. I get it. I acknowledge it. I like the flexibility. Me personally, and where I like to hunt and I prefer to hunt on public land, that first, the first split, the first 10 days, I'm pretty well given up. Like I got other options, whether it's deer season at home or hopping in a pit on private land. That's the lowest water and the most people that you'll typically have all year long. Um, so I like being able to choose. I like watching certain gauges to get to a certain river level and getting outside the crowd. I'm in favor of, of picking my 30 days. You know, does that mean I get six, five day permits? Do I get 10, three day permits? I don't know what that part looks like, but I am for, for choosing. Yep. That's pretty understandable to me. Uh, so, Chris, from a, a resident perspective, you know, being honest here, <laughs> how do you feel about this? Well, I mean, first of all, initial reaction on this is, you know, Game and Fish got this bee in their bonnet. What has it been, Alex, six, eight years ago when we first implemented non-resident <laughs> restrictions? on access and this is about the what fourth or fifth different idea they've thrown at the wall um 
So kudos to them to trying to find something that's feasible for everybody. I get that. When it's when this whole thing came down the pipe originally, you know, I, I was I kind of got run raked over the coals because I, 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 as a resident that hunts public, I was I was not big on um, limiting non-resident access. Multiple reasons, but the main selfish reason is um, hunting a lot of federal refuge ground. Kind of saw the saw what was coming, and sure enough, you know welcome all my non-resident friends to the, to the refuge when they can't hunt, uh, on state owned ground. So selfishly, I mean, remove all restrictions. I hope I'm everybody's hero out of state, but, um, so far as having to actually implement some type of, uh, limited access to non-residents, I mean, I'm all about like, like Alex said, giving them, giving them the option to be here when they want to be, um, I think, you know, they mentioned in the, in the survey, you know, trying to spread out hunting pressure across the season, um, from a 30,000 foot view, I would think that's a pretty logical conclusion of, um, instead of having these set, um, timelines of when non-residents can hunt, um, to give them the option to be here when they want to be. Um, I, I can see where that would hopefully help alleviate the pressure in those windows of, um, instead of like we've done in the in the last couple of years. Now, granted, the the way it's been where you can hunt these days, these days, or these days, Mr. Non-resident, when they're not there, there's a noticeable difference, um, especially at 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 some of the uh, more popular WMAs. You go through the go through the parking lot or go go get out in the woods. Um you you can tell that that it's currently a an oozer ban is happening. Um but do you do you give that up like what Alex was saying? Depending on when the water is in certain places, given the current GTR, um, how they operate and different things, you know, if it hits right, it, it it doesn't do the resident any good. If the water's there when the non-residents are there, we're all going to be out there together anyway. So, um, you know, I I actually hit strongly support on this one. G- give give folks the option and um, and and rock and roll. Yeah, Chris, I'll back you up on that. I don't think we should have a ban on non-residents. I think it's a really slippery slope when states start doing that. Um, We are lucky to travel freely in this country. And I think, you know, limiting access with hunting. And and I get you you want to take care of the the residents that live there. You know, but I don't know. That's just a really tough spot to be in. So I'm in favor of giving them the option. I would rather not see any limitation but that's just me. Did Chris, you, you said you hunt some hunt federal ground. Did we, did we really relieve pressure? Or did we just redistribute? Yeah. You moved it. All we did was move it. Mm-hmm. The guys uh, that are hunt 45, 50, 60 days, they're coming and hunting no matter what. They're going to find somewhere to go. It does not matter. Um, I mean, this is a rabbit trail that, that'll lead into some other topics, but if a guy's going to go hunt public ground, he's going to figure out where to do it. You know, if he can hunt federal ground, not hunt state ground, all it's going to do is redistribute it. I, I, I'm in favor of no restriction at all. That wasn't a, an option on, on this survey, um, but at least give someone the, the opportunity to choose. Um mm-hmm. Probably not going to choose opening week, and I'm probably not going to choose uh, the goon week. Um, <laughs> right. 
Hey, Alex, can you talk to all your non-resident friends and let me know when everyone's not going to be here? That'd be great if you could do that. <laughs> a toll bridge coming in, to, coming in the state lines. You, you know, you can get a little report every morning. Okay, appreciate that. When the influx is. Yeah, you know. that'd be good. I've always wanted to put a camera up over the Memphis Bridge just so I can see when folks are coming over. So, oh yeah, what? Uh, where do you guys land on allowing non-motorized boat access to all designated water trails? Let me pull that one up. Um, <laughs> that was a kind of a kind of an odd one. Um, yeah, I thought that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, and and that was one that that I marked no opinion because I that one does not really pertain to me. Um, Game and Fish has to they're 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 wearing a lot of hats. You know, if if somebody wants to go kayak a water trail, if somebody wants to duck hunt, if somebody wants to deer hunt, I get it. Um, so I, I guess I would tend to lean towards let's give as many people as much access um, as possible, unless we're shooting too many speckle bellies early. Um, but the, uh, so something like that, I, yeah, I guess if, am I, am I reading that right? That that means someone can go kayak on the kayak trail. That's, that's how I took it. Yeah. Now, will will some goober put a kayak in and go scout in the afternoon when they're not supposed to and say they're kayaking? Sure. But I'd much rather them be kayaking and scouting in the afternoon than running a mud motor at 10 o'clock. So, um, I put no opinion on that, but I mean, somebody shoot me a text and explain that a little bit better, or you guys tell me more. Did not quite, uh, did not quite understand that one, but I'm all yeah. for access. <clears throat> we'll we'll get to the mud motors here in just a second. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, where do you guys stand on the 25 shell limit or proposed limit? That's what moving up from 15. Is that correct? some have a limit at 15. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so here's, so it's been, what it's been 15 on Biomeda for as long as I can remember. Um, and 25 in other places, I understand wanting to make it equal across the board. Um, I guess common restriction AWMAs would be basically what used to be the sweet 16 or, you know, the ones that have water fouling on it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there, but I, I get it trying to make it, make it easy on the reg side um you know the i, I guess you got to step back and go why are we putting why, why do we have a shell limit um obviously I, I for me i've always my understanding has been to limit you know sky busting taking unethical shots um maybe wood not ducks. to shoot quite as many wood ducks yeah um so <laughs> I, I sky busting is the the bane of my existence in the public duck woods um and wood duck shooting is a close second. But also, I mean, look, if you want to go in there and, and get on the slough and, and shoot wood ducks, I mean, that's legal. Knock yourself out. Uh, the folks that are trying to work mallards, you know, 300 yards away from you are going to cuss you. But um, uh, the 15 the shell limit in Biomeda was always kind of a joke. You could go to any blowdown or hollow log and raffle around and find a Ziploc bag of shells that maybe your party left or maybe some random other person left. And you may laugh at that, but that's, I mean, it's uncanny. We used to hunt and then we would just check stump holes just for a joke and 
two out of three would have extra shells in it anyway. So, um, I, whatever. I mean, make it 25, make it 50. Folks are going to sneak extra shells in. People are going to shoot wood ducks. People are going to sky bust. Sorry to be a Debbie Downer. Uh, Alex, are you, where are you at on that? I'm, I'm fine with a shell limit, 15, 20, 25. I mean, the bottom line is most of us don't hunt on our own. Um, so Chris, if we meet at a boat ramp and we decide to be civil to each other that morning and we want to, we have 50, <laughs> eight mallards. Right. And in all reality, if we can't do that, you know, you, you're probably, you know, you're in state or you're, you're obviously a better hunter than I am. You're probably going <laughs> to go four for four. Um, yeah. So I've got 46 shells, you know, that, you know, a $50 bill, Chris is going to hook me up with a, with the extra shells if I have to have them. Um, when we really got, just, and I got PayPal, so just hit me up. Yeah, I mean, open your Venmo. Let me scan it. You got it, man. Um, what are y'all shooting that's only $2 a shell? LEDs. Don't, don't ask questions. <laughs> One other answer. LEDs. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, you want to make it real sporty. Let's 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 make it 10, 10 shell limit on all the Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean... I get it from a regulation and from a game warden standpoint, make it easy. But you know, uh, why why do we have a sh- if 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 the shell limit is gonna be? What are they saying? They're gonna make it twenty five now, or what? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're gonna make the limit twenty five, like Alex was saying, I mean, why not make it a case? Because uh, yeah, I don't think twenty five does anything. Yeah, yeah. It, it streamlines the code. Yeah, if you're trying to cut down on you know, sky busted and all those other practices. I don't think 25 does it. I mean, I, I don't think it does it to, to guys of our, that are in our age group. Um, it might develop a teaching moment with the next generation of there's a show limit for a reason to, to make good shots. You can't just mm-hmm. go on and, and figure it out. So are we laying the framework to, to have an educational moment with someone? Are we doing this to make ourselves feel better? Yeah. yeah, yeah that's a good, good point. point. Yep. Yeah. Let's put a sign up at every boat ramp of the show limit is 25 so that you shoot ducks backpedaling in the decoys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and assume you guys are all good with uh, being able to kill Egyptian geese since we shoot so many of those anyway. Kill them all. <laughs> Let God sort them out. I, You know, until I saw them on the survey, I didn't know that you couldn't now. I've never <laughs> had the opportunity to shoot an Egyptian goose, so apparently it's a Northwest Arkansas thing. Okay, I know like some some people in Texas kill them. I've seen them around, but yeah, uh, apparently it's not, a Northwest Arkansas. Uh, there's some up there. So okay. all the guys, all the guys shooting Canada's on the golf courses get a chance to shoot Egyptian. Yeah, somewhere. that's right. That's good right. for them. Go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. Proposed change to restrict access to non-resident waterfowlers. While a WMA is having infrastructure work done, I, I got some thoughts. On Yay, this. nay. I got some What's thoughts. What's that? I, okay. Th- I don't know if this is how this is worded, and I will, and I'll just put it out there. I, I, I think I understand what they're saying here, but what gets me is it says exceptions would be granted to a limited number of owners of property immediately adjacent to the WMA in which construction is taking place. And yeah, I didn't really get that. That sh- sounds shady as 
you know what? So um, that, so that's saying if I have a a piece of property that that adjoins the WMA and I use it to access that I have an easement during construction to access the remaining area, or if I if I have a spot next door, then I can hunt it. But my other neighbor that doesn't touch it can. I don't I don't understand that. that's that's not enough for me so and and so i don't know for sure but i know at at hurricane this year you know with the there was there was a lot of the wma that was limited the the access to it because they were redoing the structures and all that but on the other side you could access it through private and so there was a lot of stuff up there especially during deer season when, when there wasn't water to boat everywhere you know that there was a whole bunch that it was tough to get to for folks coming in from and anybody that's a hurricane hunter and listen to me, I'm trying to be vague enough to not give away everybody's secrets. But anyway, so I don't know if that's what brought this one on. Um, but I mean, why are we again back to the why are we finding another way to restrict anybody, let alone non-residents? Um, and so perception is reality. You know, the Bible the Bible doesn't say keep yourself from evil. It says keep yourself from the appearance of evil. And so for a slappy like me, especially with that exception be granted thing for property owners, you know, the immediate thing for me, and I've gotten some texts from other folks is, um, you know, there's some commissioners, former commissioners that have maybe not land touching WMAs, but nearby. And so the knee jerk reaction to a lot of folks is, well, that sounds like a good old boy kind of thing with that exception. I don't know. it may be how it's worded, and again, I, I don't know all the where that one's coming from. It's not ex- explained as well as others, but something about that one just seems odd. Yeah, that's interesting that y'all share that viewpoint of that. I, I thought so also. I, I didn't really understand. Yeah, is that a, you know access via easement, or I'm not really sure what that means. So maybe, and, uh, and I, I'll follow up and say clarify that. Well, sorry. Yeah. And if, if again, somebody that knows more, let me know, but I'll follow up to say, I I don't like the restriction and non-resident part anyway, additional restriction, but if you get rid of that exception part, okay, whatever. But that it's, it's the exception at the bottom that kind of makes me scratch my head and say, that seems a little shady. So Mm -hmm. excuse my ignorance, anybody listening, if I've got that way wrong, but that's, that was my takeaway from it. I, I agree. I had the I had the same thought. Um, my other question was: Are the renovations going to take place, you know, year round, or is there going to be a break? Um, but that that GTR is considered under renovation um, because if they're in there running heavy equipment and and working uh, daylight to dark. I don't know that anybody's going to want to hunt it anyway, because <laughs> structure's out. There's yeah. probably any water, um, and if you're banging around all day, it's probably not going to be any ducks. Just yeah, that's a good point. What kind of mind? Sounds like we just need to find somebody that's got property adjacent to WMA under construction, so we can go hunt it, Alex. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like I want to say something else, but just try not to. Yeah, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Moving along, uh, so now we find ourselves with the uh, twelve proposed changes. I don't know that any of those need to be really run through. Is there anything that stands out to you guys? Is yes, 
Yes, number one, specify that all the refuges are included in the boat motor exhaust restrictions. Oh, wait, I glanced right over that one. Sorry, good job, Chris. Don't bring your loudhouse mud motor to the refuge either. What about, uh, what about you know, ported Mercs? Uh, you know, that same. If, if it sounds like a Harley, take, leave it at home. Yeah. No, it always gets me. I mean, I, I get it. You know, people complain about mud motors, but there's a there's a lot of outboards out there running exhaust that's definitely above the waterline. Yeah, agreed. And bless yeah. their hearts, how would you like to be that game warden that has to be a boat mechanic too to check boat motor exhaust? All the I, I, granted, all it's doing is keeping honest man honest, but at least we're doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. All right, let's jump on. We'll we'll get to the mud motor debate here in just a second, right? Where are we at now? Uh, yeah, this is for future. This this has no yeah. impact on twenty twenty four twenty five. They're just trying to get a feel for. Do they need? Does something need to be done? Uh, some restriction related to surface drive motors. It doesn't define what that is. Um, you know, everybody that hunts was think has all kinds of different opinions of what that needs to be. But is there agreement amongst you know the public land hunter that got to do something? I mean, is it is it the it's the Indian, not the arrow? Is it? I mean, what it what's the deal? Alex, you go you go first, Alex. I'm I'm of the belief it's the Indian, not the arrow. Um, so the the two boats that that I operate on a regular basis or couldn't be any more polar opposite. One is a surface drive with a factory exhaust, and the other is a four stroke twenty five horse. Um, some people drive them wide open all the time. I'm not sitting here. I'm not the water patrol monitoring that. Um, I absolutely hate how loud that motor is. That's my least favorite thing about it. Now, the first half of the season on an extremely low river, um, it was really the only option. I mean, you're, you're, you know, the river changes and people can say what they want to. Oh, you're out of state. You need to spend more time on the river. You need to do this, do that. It noted. I understand. Don't necessarily disagree. I'd love to spend more time on these rivers. Um, but the whole process is expensive enough. I don't want to be tearing up the lower unit on every curve. That's, that's my opinion. Um, so to me, they're kind of a necessary evil. They do create some access. They do create, um, an excessive amount of noise. I do not like the noise once again, but you cut a, cut the edge on a sandbar a little bit. You're not idling down, you know, you're not letting out the throttle and idling off of it or, tearing up something going across it go where you're going to go now i am an advocate go to your spot shut your motor off don't be running around at nine o'clock my opinion is unless it is an emergency you shoot your ducks at daylight the courtesy is you need to sit until at least nine or ten o'clock drink your coffee talk about how good the groups did it that morning enjoy the morning and then ease back to the ramp. Don't be running through the woods. If you're done or you, you know, you shot your ducks, you're probably going back there the next day, unless the water's just 
rapidly rising or falling. So, and you know what everybody around you shot. Everybody talks to everybody. Everybody knows. So, you can't replace common courtesy with a with a regulation. It is the Indian, not the Arrow. Um, but if any of these motor manufacturers are listening, please make them quieter. Uh, good, good points. And if if every everyone was a responsible mud motor user like Alex, I, I would probably feel differently. Um, you know, I I, I kind of swing the other way. I'd love it if if they were completely banned. Um, obviously, the 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 noise issue um, is is frustrating. You know, you guys were gracious enough to have me on earlier this year, and and I mentioned uh, a story from early in the year of somebody running a mud motor where no one had a business taking a boat that you could have walked 200 yards and, and jumping up the little small raft of ducks. And that was the end of that. Um, since then, you know, later in the year was hunting a little place off the unnamed river and uh, shooting a few ducks and nobody around us. And here comes a mud motor down the main river. And they spent, they spent about an hour and a half trying to figure out how to get in there. And they finally figured it out and finally shut their motor off. If I'd have known that was going to be an issue, I would have just gone out there the river and guided them in there. Um, but, you know, so we sat there for an hour watching ducks flare while this motor ran up and down, trying to figure out the cut into where we were. Um, so, you know, like Alex said, if you get there before dark and leave at 10 and go straight to the ramp, it, it, it minimizes the issues that I feel like mud motors create. Noise issue being one of them, um, access to places that ducks used to have a chance to kind of sit and loaf. Um, and, you know, I'll throw this out there just um, from someone who's in favor of seeing them go away. It, it can't be good for regeneration of red oaks and different things, running those through six inches of water and tearing stuff up um, habitat wise. Um, so, again, Alex, sorry, I'd love to see him be um banned in completely um but like alex i would take i would take some way to make them quieter um and i you know we mentioned this before too i i'd be i'd be happy to go out there and hang signs of in every wma in the state of this is where you can run a boat this is where you can't run a boat whether it's outboard or a um mud motor and and keep folks from easing everywhere in the woods, get, get out and do a little walkabout because you can walk up on a couple hundred ducks in the woods and see them and back out, but you boat up on them, they're, they're up and meet and moving. So, um, let, let the non-residents come, but ban it, ban mud motors. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and weigh in, uh, just from my other side of the, the fence here. Uh, they're not bad for me. They don't, they don't disrupt that much. Uh, we use them. They are what they are. You know, yeah, they're louder. They'll do all those things. I think the trouble with them is they have given people the opportunity to to go do those things with ease. I, I do think it comes back to the Indian, not the arrow. Um, I can't say that I'm in favor of banning them because, again, I think it's like some of these other things that we've talked about. It's a it's a Band-Aid fix. We're not really addressing the issue. Now, I don't know that there is a way to address that issue, um, but the the guy that is that's still that's doing those things with the surface drive is in all likelihood going to find some other way to do it. There will be something else, be it 
I don't know. There will be something else that comes along and we'll be fighting a different fight and we will potentially ban them for nothing. That's just kind of my take on it. Uh, you know, it doesn't really affect me. I'll still be able to use mine where I use mine. So, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a real strong opinion on it, but. I think it will eventually mirror, um, be something very similar to horsepower restrictions on certain WMAs that mm -hmm. is always going to find a loophole or find a way to bend the rules or this or that, that, you know, to gain an advantage. Um, now I, I have said this, uh, I'd, I'd not, I'd leave it at the house. Be, be fine yeah. if I had better well, options. Well, we've we've gone through yeah. all these topics and agreed on everything, so I gotta I gotta at least uh, give some counterpoints on this one. So, <laughs> but you know, back back to your point though, Casey, of you know, on your place, not not bothering them, but you've got enough sense to put the boat in, run to That's the line, right. hunt, come back. Yeah. You know, and we don't cruise around. You also don't shine any lights anywhere and all that. So you know you. You get it, um, but and just like Alex does too. I'm again. So the Indian and Arrow thing is 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 y'all are right. Um, and and normally on on a situation like that, just like the shell limit thing, you know, earlier, you know, my, my thing was people are going to get around that one. I, I feel like if you severely limit or ban mud motors. It's tough to get around. You you can't sneak a mud motor in the woods because you can sneak in an extra pocket full of shells. Um, so that's that's why very rarely do I advocate restriction because you know like we've we've said before it's it's tough to legislate morality. But um, sure, that's one that well, I feel so, like. Well, hypothetically, Chris, if we ban a what defines a mud motor? So if we ban these, what sure. what's going to be the where are we going to draw the line? Is it above water? Above above the waterline exhaust? Is it air-cooled engines? Where are we, how are we going to classify them? So, And then yeah. how long is it before someone just circumvents yeah. that? Yeah. Well, great point. You know, I, you know, I think if, if you were, if you were looking at putting in a severe restriction on them, it would be uh, air-cooled surface drive would be, would be mm -hmm. where I would say start. Yeah. Uh, and what didn't, who was it? Haven't I seen a, <laughs> haven't I seen one of these rigs? prototyped up one time with a radiator on it or am I insane? Now I saw one that I think maybe pro drive had a Tahatsu power head on it. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that stuff. So I don't know. I just, I, to, so to me, and I've kind of only tossed this out there a time or two, I think a fuel cell restriction would probably do more good than anything else. <laughs> That's a good if, point. if you don't have enough gas to run around all day, you're not going to do it. Um, uh, all those goobers with the megas are running around with three gas cans in the front of the boat right now already. So yeah. 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 But you know, so if you, if you limited that and then it's, you know, you're not then trying to build some monster that gets around some rule. You either, you know, have three gallons of gas or not, or, or whatever the number would be. And I yeah. get there. There's some issues with that. You get into, getting guys stranded and all those things, but Hey man, don't, don't run that far. That's just me tossing that out there, but sure. Which the fact that they're putting this in the survey, obviously they've gotten some complaints. They're considering mm -hmm. they're looking at it. So I'd be curious to see how it plays out. You know, there's a couple of guys at my camp that have them um, and no, you know, and don't get me wrong. It's nice to step out in the hole, but um 
I'm willing to, I'm willing to walk 200 yards to give it up, you know, and, and again, the reason being, what are we trying to accomplish by this hunter satisfaction and, um, helping out the resource, whether it be ducks having a place to loaf and not tearing stuff up out there in the, in the GTRs and what have you. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's, that's a tough one. He's going to make folks mad on both. That's that, that's the one that it's not a slam dunk, no brainer. You know, if say they ban them tomorrow, 50% 50% of us are going to be dancing in the street. 50% of us are going to be cussing the folks doing the dancing. So, you know, sure. that one's tough. So be curious how it plays out. Well, I mean, there's a, it, it's a, it's a people problem. Um, <laughs> right. Can't legislate someone's, you know, moral compass. Um, mm. There's, there's plenty of extraordinary properties that use them for transportation that you can't tell me that that motor inherently runs off every duck around it. It's how it's operated. Sue's running it. Um, but we always joke. The only guy that doesn't like them is a guy that doesn't have one. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's a tough one though. Cause there's, I, I mean, I, I agree with everything that Chris has said. I just, you know, sometimes I'm reluctant to want to get rid of something because of how some people behave, but it, I mean, it's an issue too. It's a legitimate issue and it's causing a lot of pressure and pressure is the one thing we should control. So, yeah. Uh, Chris, have you, uh, have you told JB how you feel about it? Cause I know, uh, he sent me a text yesterday of a turbocharger on one. Well, yeah, I sent, he sent me that same picture. I said, I'm glad to see you getting this all tuned up. So you can, before you sell it before the band. So yeah, that's what I told him. <laughs> well, said, you, you know what the real thing was? He had to get that exhaust thing on the top cause he burnt the, burnt the skin off his hand to about the bone early in the season uh so he had to get he had to put that turbocharger up there so he had something else to grab hold of and not the straight exhaust i will say that the ones with the turbos are quieter than stock yeah i can believe that yeah he brought that point up too so yeah so if we put in a decibel restriction but but he's not going to go very far with casein's three gallon fuel cell restriction (laughs) you're right (laughs) Let's not yeah. label that casins just yet, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, fellas, I appreciate y'all making the time to come on here. Uh, these are always good and fun conversations. It's always good to hear outside perspective. Uh, it's really easy to kind of get in a rut and then look at things just from from how you hunt and where you hunt. So I appreciate y'all's time and, and your opinions today. Yeah, anytime. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. That's another, another episode in the books. We appreciate you listening. And... Um, you know, take your time with the survey. You don't you don't have to answer it just how we laid it out today, but at least think through it and don't blindly answer questions on that thing. Because, like we said, even though it's not a vote, they are weighing it. If they didn't want to weigh it, they wouldn't take the time to do it uh, because somebody on their staff's got to weigh through the data and accumulate it and extrapolate it and do all those things. So uh, encourage people to fill it out and, and offer their opinion. That way they get a get a picture. It's not the public land hunters. It's just not the private land hunters. It's, it's duck hunters and everybody sharing what they think and, and where they see uh, things going and where they need to go. So appreciate you guys. And we'll check you next time. Thanks for listening. Light boots, the lightest pair of knee boots you're ever going to find. Weighed in at just 13 ounces each. Putting on a pair of light boots is truly a jaw dropping experience.